Have you wondered about living elsewhere after you retire? Well, we have, almost daily. As you know, it's not an overnight decision. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about places to consider living in during your retirement. We started this show for selfish reasons. We will be retiring in the next few years, but we're not sure where. Then a light bulb went off in Jean's head. He asked, what are others doing? With so many baby boomers retiring, there must be many relocating. Let's connect with them and pick their brains. But first, a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and raised in Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney and practicing higher ed law at a college, and I love working with students, faculty, and staff. And now, I'm a podcaster. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm not Asian. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I've always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job. We've lived in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, New York for many years and have been thinking about our future home. So we will be speaking to folks from around the world who have moved to venues of their dreams and more. And we will share their intimate secrets. Whoa! (laughs) Just kidding! We will offer information you may not find anywhere else, though. So stay tuned. Buenos dias. We are off to Costa Rica. Costa Rica has a population of about 5 million. According to the Department of Immigration of Costa Rica, there were about 489,000 foreigners with residency status in the state, with the majority coming from the Americas. And this includes Rob and Jenny Evans, who moved there about six years ago to San Ramon in the Alajuela province, but then they moved to San Jose. So they are the city slickers. A little background. Rob was born in Augusta, Georgia, and raised in Atlanta. Rob attended Georgia Tech in Dartmouth. He holds a master's degree in engineering in tribology. He built hip replacements. He worked as an engineer for IBM for 32 years in Atlanta, Georgia, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Manassas, Virginia. A little interesting fact for those of you who are not familiar with tribology. It is the study of friction, wear, lubrication, and the design of bearings, the science of interacting surfaces in relative motion. Now, why is this of interest? Rob, we believe that you are either the fifth or sixth mechanical engineer on our podcast, including myself. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite course was material science, but at the time, I didn't know it could be a career. Jenny, born in Johnson City, Tennessee, and raised in Carrollton, Georgia. She attended Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia, and she worked for a short period in a museum, then as an English teacher, and spent most of her time as a homemaker, where she homeschooled two of their three daughters. Good for you. We know who had the tougher job in that family. (laughs) The couple are high school sweethearts and have been married for 40 years this year. Congratulations. Wow. That's great. Their three grown daughters are in Atlanta, Georgia, Los Angeles, California, and the last outside Montreal, Canada. Rob retired in 2014. The couple moved to Costa Rica from Raleigh, North Carolina in November of that year after three years of unloading all they owned. Wow. 
Their goal is now to live fully and to see as much of Costa Rica as walking, buses, and taxis allow. Jenny enjoys reading and quilting. Rob's interests include investments, programming, travel, Spanish, history, and he runs a Facebook group called Costa Rica by Bus, where he helps people get around Costa Rica on the public bus system. Wow. So guys, thank you so much for joining our program. We have so much to ask you and we are so curious. So why don't you start with your journey? Well, I think you might want to start with the fact that I worked for IBM for 32 years and they gave me an option to leave. And when that happened at what, about 57, maybe I think, you know, it's too young. It, it's, it's a weird age, right? It's you can't get another job and you can't really go on Medicare. So we needed to figure out what to do. Our medical expenses at IBM were like zero because they paid for everything. And then they went to $24,000 a year when we when I retired. So we needed wow. to figure went out. from zero to 24000 Yeah. Well, that's you the pay for your own insurance. Exactly. Yeah. When you don't realize that have employer uh, paid insurance, it costs a lot of money. It's not until you pay for it yourself that you realize how much it is. So we needed to figure out something. Either I was going to go back to work or we needed to go find someplace where we could get health insurance. And so then the second thing after that was to figure out, well, how far would we go? You know, Mexico, Europe, uh, Asia. And we just kind of thought that Costa Rica is kind of a mellow little place. You know, it's got democracy. It wasn't very far. So we could reach our kids on both coasts very quickly. So that's kind of what got us started. And then after that, it was just a matter of unloading everything so we could get down to 10 suitcases so that we could leave. I will say that Rob didn't wait until he was offered uh, the opportunity to retire. He saw that coming. So he was already thinking about these things. He's pretty smart. He plans ahead. You know, where me, it's like, I'll just go along with whatever. (laughs) It's great. So I think that's part of it, too. You really have to be paying attention. Don't wait till things happen to you. So you have, you know, so you've had a chance to uh, do your research. and But it took a little while to, you know, we talked for a long time because, you know, for Jenny, the idea of being near the kids, having a house, all those things are things that you think about and whatever. So the whole idea of moving to a different country and getting rid of everything, she cried a lot when we got rid of like dishes and all this <laughs> stuff like that. But it, it takes a little, and, and what I'd say is that we would put our stuff into, we took everything and put it into a storage unit. And then we'd go over on weekends and sort through it. And we only could last maybe about two, three hours. And we were emotionally drained, basically picking up everything that, you know, because we had this thought that maybe our parents, when we meet them in heaven, would ask us where we, that little stupid <laughs> statue, what we did with it. <laughs> yeah. And if we, and if we didn't know, remember where it was, you know, that they would uh, basically berate us in heaven. So the thing is, we pick up every piece and, and worry about it. We go there at nine and by noon, we were pretty much mentally messed up because we just couldn't handle throwing things away or selling them. Anymore. Well, also trying to make the decision. One of, one of the things that we did is um, checked with our kids first because you know, everybody says, oh, but don't, don't you want to save this for your children? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, our kids are not that attached to things. Uh, I mean, they like their things, but they like what they pick out. And, you know, I'd always felt like all this stuff that we inherited, it was beautiful, it was nice, but 
it wasn't what I would have bought myself, mm. but I had it. So I used it, you know, I'm practical that way, but thankfully the kids, you know, they told us exactly what they wanted, which wasn't very much. We put that aside for them. And then we started going through everything and deciding how, how we would get rid of it. You don't realize in 30 some odd years of marriage, how much you accumulate, even when you've moved around a good bit, <laughs> you have a lot of stuff. And, and it means some of it really means something to you. And, and some of it, you, you aren't really sure what it means to you until you have to try and get rid of it. So what we did is we, we started going through things, you know, that of value. And we found someone who would sell it for us on eBay for, for a reasonable commission. Some things we sold ourselves through Craigslist. We had yard sales. And, of course, we donated stuff. Uh, several years before we started going through this process, it's so yeah. So we went from a five thousand five thousand square foot house to a two thousand square foot townhouse, wow. and then we went from there to a six hundred square uh, one bedroom apartment, and then our final move was into somebody's bedroom. <laughs> so we rented the bedroom from a woman, which we never thought was possible, but it was in a beautiful home and everything. So the whole goal was to get. 5,000 square foot of house down to 10 suitcases. That's what the goal was. We put our house on the market and it sold right away. <laughs> our townhome. Yeah. Oh, wow. It sold right away and we had to get out um, because it was already in moving condition. The other people, you know, they got whatever financing or whatever taken care of right away. So we had to get out and then we moved tiny little rentals as we continued to get rid of stuff. So that occurred all within in the same year you retired in 2014 and then you moved in november well, I'd say um, probably five years it oh, probably oh. and it got faster and faster as we got toward the end did you know that you were going to move abroad no what happened is is that first off we had a big house at that point we had two daughters in high school after jenny stopped homeschooling them and we always had this dream of living across from the school the whole idea that your kids could walk to school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we, we ended up getting a house across the street from the school, which was took about, you know, so about five years for both our daughters to go through high school. We loved it. The kids came over, lots of stuff after school. But we probably retired there. Yeah. I mean, we started to make that handicap accessible. It was on a bus route. I was thinking it was great. But then, like I said, once IBM, well, once I realized that I would I need to come up with $24,000 a year in health care, I realized that we no longer could stay in the U.S. Yeah, so um, we, okay, even though Rob retired in 2014, I think, but like I said, everything, we, we just did everything in stages, you know, and we, and we always tried to think, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, and until we got rid of it all. I think the very last thing we had a van load of a couple of pieces of furniture that, you know, plus our suitcases and we drove and the van was rented. We we drove it to Atlanta because we were going to fly from Atlanta. And those last couple of pieces of furniture were, we brought them to give away to a friend in Atlanta. <laughs> and it was kind of, oh. nice. so we're in the hotel at the airport. We took off our coats, took off our shoes, left them all in the hotel room, oh. put on our flip-flops <laughs> and our shorts and we left. Wow. Oh my goodness. You guys are so daring. I mean, could you imagine wow. if you had like some last minute situation and now you're without coats and <laughs> Oh, you know, we we would have we would have yeah, yeah, yeah. then, you know, just mm-hmm. picked up something. It was such a relief to just just 
divest ourselves of all this stuff. And, and yes, some of it was well loved, but you know what? I every once in a while I think it'd be nice if we had this, or it'd be nice if we had that. But you know, if you really miss it, well, go out and buy it again. Yeah, but yeah, I, true. I, yeah, we have we've started that journey ourselves in kind of kind of getting rid of stuff. And one of the things we learned was um, in any household, there's a minimum of three hundred thousand items. I subscribe to all these different blogs and what have you, and um, one way to do it is just to simply take little steps. And mm-hmm. if we can get rid of, you know, one item a day, each of us put it, we have a bin by the door. Um, it's, it would be a good start. Yeah. We started that about two weeks ago and we only did a day. <laughs> <laughs> but I will suggest to you that we found a lot of use in moving everything into a storage unit, mm-hmm. because the thing is, is that you need to mm-hmm. separate yourself emotionally from it. So like, for example, if you don't see it for a month or two, you have a different attitude versus if you see it every day. So it makes a little bit of an expense. Yeah. Well, it's exciting thing for us. So we started off with what, a 15 by 15 with most everything there. And then we went to a seven by 10 and we finally got down to a five by five and we would celebrate each time we would just basically move everything over (laughs) to a smaller unit. Okay. Okay. But I, I will have, I have to say one thing the both of you though, are on the same, you were in the same mindset because you can't do it alone if one's dragging and the other's all, you know, all for it. So have you guys always been in sync with your thinking? I mean, this is fast. Yeah, okay. This is, I'm going to let you have her part of it. But if you can imagine here, I'm what, 57. I'm 60 pounds more than I am right now. Uh, my blood wow. sugar's up. My cholesterol's up. My high pressure. So basically, I figured, well, I'll probably have 10 years left to live, right? Mm. I figured I'd probably die on the job. That was really depressing. Yeah. And I think it was depressing for Jenny, too. And the whole idea is that, mm-hmm. wow, we're just going to end our lives just dying here in place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of, we, we got married when we were, what, 20, something like that. And then had kids. And so, you know, we never went to Europe and backpacked. I mean, I, I the day after I finished high school, I started college. Mm-hmm. The day after I finished college, I started work. So we never had a lot of early fun. Mm-hmm. And so the thing was, is that we just saw all that evaporating. And so as a result, I started telling Jenny, I, I'm not happy. And I said, I'm going to die. And she just said, you know, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So the first thing was, they tell you, you have to get your spouse on board. And so mm-hmm. the first thing I did was I found a lady in Costa Rica who wrote a book about moving to Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. I called her up and I hired her to take care of Jenny. <laughs> and so what happened, I then flew Jenny down to Costa Rica for the summer. And I told the lady, I said, do whatever it takes to make her love Costa Rica. <laughs> she went by so, herself? Yes, yeah, so I'll tell you about this a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, I'll reiterate some of the things he said. You know, we've, all, we've always had a good marriage, a good relationship. Uh, not that we haven't had ups and downs occasionally, but you know, we really care about one another. And I am kind of happy to go along with things. You know, I don't, it, um, and I'll put my foot down when, when it really matters. But um, everything he said is true. You know, I was worried about him. I was worried about, you know, our future as far as health and everything. So uh, when he suggested this, I thought, well, it sounds like a fun adventure. And uh, it was a little scary for me. I even though we've moved around a little bit, I'm still, I'm that girl that grew up in, in a rural area of Georgia and <laughs> I took foreign language and I was always kind of good with it, but 
only in class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm shy and introverted in a lot of ways. I have to work at being uh, extroverted. Well, anyway, so yeah, he sent me down there for a month and I had I had had a very uh, stressful teaching job the previous year. And he had told Lisa to uh, keep that in mind that I needed to de-stress. And this was down in Puerto Viejo. It's in the Caribbean section of, of uh, Costa Rica. Stayed there for a month and basically in the jungle. And it was hot and humid and she didn't even have screens. I slept under a mosquito net. Uh, one night the cat climbed in bed with me. I, I didn't have my glasses on. I couldn't see what <laughs> up in the rafters. I just oh, knew there was God. oh my goodness. Because I had my windows open. And of course, there's nothing, no glass. No. She did eventually get windows with screens and everything, but she had the suicide shower and all of that. And uh, But it was great. Oh, was, oh, suicide shower is just, it's this, um, it's not really going to give you, cause you to have suicide. But it, it's this little electrical device attached to the uh, shower head that you can turn on to get hot water. It actually kind of electrocutes the water. <laughs> the whole idea of having <laughs> having electricity in your shower, you know, and it buzzes you every once in a while, but it's quite common in Latin America yeah. where they don't have yes. water to have uh, these suicide yeah. showers. Yeah, I anyway, of that. I didn't know the phrase. Oh, interesting. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so it was the really rustic kind of way to live. And it was fun. It was an adventure. Um, and since Lisa was so familiar with everything, you know, she he paid her to take me on at least one adventure a week. Totally freaked out, though, when I decided to go on my own adventure. I randomly met a woman from Mississippi at a restaurant, and she and I took off one weekend to go to Panama. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and you know that that's so not me to just do something like that. But I did. Wow. You know, I wasn't wow. she had done it before, so... <laughs> <laughs> a complete stranger and uh but a lovely woman um so i just had a lot of fun um i probably was a very reserved though at the time you know there were things that i didn't venture to do but i did meet people i uh, kind of had my own little life there for about a month or so uh in the meantime he sent our one of our daughters to uh tamarindo on the other coast to take surf in spanish lessons and total she, family buy-in if I get it. Yeah, because he and she was actually there longer than than I was, but she wound up getting on a bus and coming all the way, well, cup takes a couple of buses, came all the way across country to see me. So we spent wow. a few days wow. together. Nice. And we took her back to uh to San Jose when I left. It was fun. It was an adventure. Um and I had a great time. I, I think when you got back you said when can you go? Yeah, I was ready to go. I was ready wow. to go Although, you know, after I had a little time to think about it, I thought, well, you know, as much as I loved it, uh, it was too hot and muggy for me there. You know, so we kind of thought, you know, that wasn't the, that, that's a good vacation place, but I don't want to live there. So I knew I needed someplace a little more comfortable. What he did for me, making sure that I was well taken care of when it's not something that it's not in my comfort zone to do this sort of thing. So he made sure I was comfortable, made sure that it was a good experience. So I was so much readier for it. You come here, it's very different than in the States. You know, in, in the States, you, you know how houses are and neighborhoods. And here you come and there's there's razor wire and uh, fencing and walls. And you think, oh, my God, is it just horribly crime ridden? And, you know, once you're kind of used to it and you understand it more culturally, it's like no big deal, you know. <laughs> but there's a lot to adjust to, especially if you haven't been to a lot of places, you haven't traveled much internationally. So that was extremely helpful. 
The other thing is he and I came down together later, his first time to be here. We went to a seminar where they told us all the ins and outs of moving here, you know, um, just everything from A to Z. And then we had made friends. Over time, we had made friends on Facebook with people who live here. Mm-hmm. A few of them that we, you know, we really kind of liked, you know, we, we were interested in where they lived. We visited them. We took them out for lunch and picked their brains. Why did you pick this town? Why did you pick this place? Then that helped us to make a decision of where we would come. So that was, I think, one of the most helpful things we did is just making those connections. Yeah, we had like five towns. We'd just buzz into town for a week. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, three or four days. And we'd invite them all over for lunch and say, you know, and then I just, we went around the table and asked them, sell us, tell us, <laughs> tell us why you like this place, yeah. you know, yeah. gave us a chance to cover a lot of ground very quickly. The thing with the social media is, you know, I, I find this is true for uh, expat groups all over the world. People can get a little snarky. Mm. Um, and, but a lot of times they're not as, they're not as mean and ugly as you think in person once you get to know them. You have to be, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, curmudgeonly or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, more more curmudgeonly than really hateful. But um, but you don't know that because it's so hard to tell with tone and and everything. And people just kind of have fun with each other. Get the feel of an expat side of a country that you're interested in. And kind of, you know, you'll find out after a while there are people that, oh, yeah, this person thinks kind of the way I do. You can start to make friends with them and, and get to know them better. I mean, we know people all over this country now. Wow. Uh, and of course, with his Costa Rica by bus, people know us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. Be somewhere. We were in Mexico and somebody recognized him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, yeah, because on Facebook, there's his face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that you can't just pick up and move down there. Was there a lot of paperwork? Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, in every country of the world, there's always at least somebody who is a facilitator. Okay, and they'll help get your stuff. And, you know, in our case, we just so happened to come across a person in Los Angeles and he was the son of the ambassador to Costa Rica in Los Angeles. And he he was also a lawyer and he basically took care of everything. We you have to collect your uh, birth certificates. It's kind of a weird thing. You you request your birth certificate. Then you have to send it all back to the state from where you just got it. The Secretary of State then stamps it that it's real. And then what happened is then we sent it to Los Angeles. Well, actually, he took care of that. And his sister is the wife of the Supreme Court Justice here in Costa Rica. And so we sent it down to her, and then she would then work around this stuff. So what happened is we decided to come down in January and go to the seminar. At that time, we uh, got a phone and we got a bank account. And we also went over and started this immigration process where they take our fingerprints to send off to Interpol and then mm-hmm. sign all the um, power of attorney stuff to get done. Plus, you know, we'd already had the stuff done in the United States. And then it takes about mm, 10 months for them to process it. Wow. And then what happened is, is so we then got the word we thought we knew in October that we had been approved. Because once you're approved, you have three months to accept their offer. We were ready, we were in that room. We had our 10 suitcases. We were ready to go. We got on a plane and we'd already made uh, arrangements for a place to rent in San Ramon. So we just got on the plane, took our 10 suitcases and we arrived and finished up the paperwork. And I think it's pretty much the same thing every country I've ever seen. 
Yeah, the main thing is, is, um, you know, finding out from wherever you're going, whether it's Costa Rica or another country, you know, as long as you can afford an attorney, I mean, because, you know, there's different ranges of, of budget that people have when they're when they're doing this. And, um, you know, so some people do it all themselves and they really need to know, you know, the language pretty well in order to do that. Or they can at least hire somebody who will help them with. We hired uh, a lawyer that we had found through this um, organization that helps people make the move. Uh, now we have a different attorney here. Uh, we, there's a you know, but you but it really helps to have a lawyer who knows what they're doing, who specializes in helping you with residency requirements wherever you're going. Um, and you know, and the locals cannot, like I said, through Facebook groups can always make recommendations too on that. And then you can find out who really who really got you through, you know, and got it done. And <laughs> so what was it like opening that bank account? I had read a little bit about um... <laughs> like a no brainer, man. I mean, the thing is, is, again, this ARCR organization, which take care of expats. We walked over there. They gave one of their interns um, our information. And so which required which a letter from our credit union, which says that we're good people. It was a hundred dollars. Oh, and then our paperwork that this says that we're coming to Costa Rica. He he does this three times a day. So what happens is he just walks over to the bank next door, gets the same woman every time, explains to him that the, these expats want to get open a place, and he hands it. You just we just sit there and sign stuff. Now a couple of things that were interesting to us is number one is there's no Latin culture is kind of macho, and so the Women are dependents. What happened is that we've always had joint accounts. Right. And the thing is that that's not a concept in Latin America. So the women is all, are always dependent. So Incredible. she could be a beneficiary, but she couldn't be uh, she couldn't be a joint account holder. Wow. So that was kind of a little bit of a shock to us. Mm. So, for example, the reason why that's important is if I were to die, what they explained was she should go and withdraw all the money immediately. Because what happens is, is that if they get word that I died, they're going to close our account and lock it out until oh, wow. there's an inquiry into why I died. Those are kind of all kinds of things that are interesting now. And the second thing is we left for six months after doing this. And again, they froze our account because we didn't have any activity. I just had to go in there and fix it up again. You know, there it's not quite as slick as the United States is, but it's OK. You know, mm-hmm. no problem there. And, you know, and again, there's always you can either, you know, uh, you can hire somebody to help you with the language part if, if you need to. But um, but a lot of times, I mean, at least in Costa Rica, there's people that um, working there who know English. They they study English. A lot of them know it. They just don't have the confidence. The main thing we found is um, even when you're working with someone who can speak English, you need to speak a little Spanish first. You need to greet them in, in Spanish and and. Once they realize that your Spanish is no better than their English, (laughs) they'll make you stop and they'll speak English if that's a problem. I mean, again, it's better to know the language. It takes a while sometimes to get used to the conversation, but it's good to do it. So let me explain. So so first off, I hired a woman to take care of Jenny. Second, I hired an attorney to take care of all of our stuff. Third, I hired a local guide to take us around to those different five different towns, explain everything to us. And then I hired a person to handle our bank and phone. So basically, I'm just pretty lazy. I have this theory that I only invest in things I'm going to do more than once. So I am very good at my taxes. 
I am very good at my investments, but all this other stuff I'm only going to do once in my life. And I just don't see any need in being an expert. It's true. That's a very good point. Good point. Right. And there are these people who are experts. They do it for their living, you know, so why not? I totally agree. But you you talk about, you talk about language. Did you take uh, Spanish classes? Like an immersion class? How is your Spanish now? Well, (laughs) it's actually gotten worse during the pandemic because I don't practice it as much. Mm -hmm. And I'm bad about not studying these days. I spend my time sewing. I use uh, Duolingo actually on the computer because it it helps you more with the actual conversation. The other thing I did was I knew that the day we arrived, we had a friend who was going to pick us up and take us all the way to our, our little place to stay, but there, of course there wouldn't be any food there. And, and we didn't know how we were going to get into town to get food. So we asked him to stop for groceries. I made a list. I used Google translate and I made a list of all the food items I would need and how, and how to ask certain questions like, Great. you know, where is this or where is that? Or do you have this or that? Of course, I wasn't prepared for the fact that they were going to answer Respond. me. First. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> right, 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 right. And the directions are a little different, you know, it, well, if you're if you're trying to find a store, you know they'll say it's so many hundred meters, and then to the right, well, a hundred meters is a is a block, okay, okay? Which I didn't know. I mean, when somebody told me something was three hundred meters, you know, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but I had my list of food, and uh, I did not translate peanut butter correctly, so um, uh, that was difficult. I finally found it. <laughs> what is peanut butter in Spanish? Oh, I don't even remember now. <laughs> Okay. It's an unusual thing for them. Now I just buy peanuts and I make my own peanut butter. But <gasps> cool. peanut butter's expensive and they don't they don't sell natural, unsweetened peanut butter here. Oh. At least that I've found. It may be somewhere in some store. Mm. But um, but having that list and, and teaching myself just a few phrases that I needed yeah. regularly um, was so helpful, you know, and then it got me more comfortable. And then, you know, there's a lot of little conversations I can have with people, you know, as far as like, you know, finding out about their family, telling them about my family. But, you know, if we were going to sit and talk politics, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, we, we got survival Spanish. <laughs> that's good, though. We yeah. know um, how to order food. We know how to find a bathroom. We can go to the hospital pretty much. And, 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 and sadly, the thing is, they need to actually answer us in something. So if it doesn't sound like uh, Duolingo, mm. how are you? I am fine. <laughs> uh, you know, if they ever deviate off course, we get a blank look on our face. <laughs> but, you know, we're, but we're learning and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll notice we'll hear certain things over and over and say, oh, we've got to learn what that is. And mm-hmm. uh, that helps. I'll tell you one thing that was great. Mm-hmm. We were with friends and something happened and we had to go report a crime to the police. Our friends actually know Spanish, but um, a local person took him in to actually talk to the police. And we stayed out in the lobby with his wife and she knew no English at all. We had the longest conversation because we had Google Translate and, you know, the the oral thing. And, you know, Rob would speak into it and it it would translate and it was great. We had a great time (laughs) because it was a long time that we had to wait. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. It's just so awkward to sit next to somebody and not be able to communicate with them. Sure. And that's so, you know, you want to show you're, you're interested in their family or whatever. It's so painful, but we just kind of stumbled through it. And it was interesting is during that class, they explained to us that, you know, you don't need to know a lot about a language to communicate. So for example, I might 
tell you, I'm going to talk to you without using a single verb. Me, you, beach, lunch. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> communicated, right. but I, right. I didn't know a single present tense, past tense, and any verb agreement or anything. Right. So you can get by. Yes, it's absolutely. Just, you know, you know, and again, what happened is, is that one of the things that in a Latin culture, it's very, family is very important. So as a result, you need to stop, ask people how they are. You know, in the United yes, States, right, right, you say, how are you? You might expect anybody's ever going to tell you that, to how right. they are. <laughs> but then here, people actually tell you what's wrong with them. You ask, <laughs> then you ask them about their family, and they tell you about all their family. It's kind of strange for us in the United States because, you know, we don't care about any of that stuff unless yeah. it's a close friend. Yeah. So we have to kind of, kind of go with the culture in some of those things. Right, right. Another thing that helps is, of course, one of the things uh, some of our friends did, they made sure they moved into a, a Tico community and they're surrounded by neighbors that are speaking nothing but Spanish. And it really helped them. And that's great. We happen to move into a, a little neighborhood. The apartments around us, there's it's kind of international. We have Indians. We have uh, we have Latin Americans from various countries. We have one couple in our neighborhood where she is Czechoslovakian. He's Tico. Uh, Tico is, you know, Costa Rican. Um, their common language is English. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, but she's learning Spanish now that they're married and she's here. But um, so, yeah, we don't get as quite as much practice. But one of the things, you know, like my maid comes over and she speaks only Spanish uh, except when she tells Rob to get out of the kitchen. I think she knows how to say that. <laughs> but she and I have a common interest in sewing. And so we'll talk sewing. And that talk, oh. that made me look up words. Now, I, t- I typically forget them because I don't get to talk about them sure. very often. So I look them up again. But the opportunities like that, finding someone who has an interest that you have, then you start learning those words in Spanish and how to talk about it. Oh, so wow. So how yeah. do you say buttonhole? Zigzag stitch. <laughs> so, well, and some of the words you just use English because mm-hmm, you know, I, mm-hmm. at least I found out in Mexico. I went to a quilt uh, symposium in Mexico, wow. and they use a lot of the English terms there. And it's just, but it's very different. And that's another thing you have to understand is if you study Spanish in Mexico is still going to be a little different in Costa Rica. So. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> different accents, nuances. And and right. you're, you're, the friends you've met, are most of them expats or do, do you have Costa Rican friends? It's kind of a, a mix. Our, our closest friends are actually a couple of people from the United States that we met at the seminar. We sat at the same table, oh, huh. hit it off, and now we happen to live just about a block or so away from each other. But and then in our neighborhood, like I said, it's kind of a mix. But we're, yeah, we're, we're acquaintances with a lot of people, yeah. but friends with very few. Yeah, we're you know, we're introverted. So we just mostly hang out with, you know, our best friends. <laughs> no, that's nice. That's that, nice. That's funny, Rob, since you're you're so um, he's not an introvert. You don't seem like an introvert on on social media. You're out there. <laughs> so yeah, many people he, know who you are. <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, it's funny, too, because a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs uh, here in Costa Rica that have like they're developing apps or services related to transportation, oh. you know, they'll contact him. We'll go out to lunch with them. But, you know, they're young, young families. They speak English. Yeah, mm-hmm. speak English. So they wind up speaking English to us. So we just 
resort to English. You're living accommodations in, in San Jose. Did you do you rent? Do you buy a house? Is it a yeah, condo? We, uh, so, you know, here we are in San Ramon. We realized that we love the bus system. And we'll actually realize that we never wanted to drive again. Never wanted to have a car. Forget that. <laughs> so we ended up taking a local bus from the mountain where we live into San Ramon. And from San Ramon, we take another bus into San Jose, where we then catch another bus to go to the beach. Yeah, so it's not a lot of work. So mm. we realized, well, what if, why don't we just go ahead and move well, to where the buses all start, which was San Jose. Oh, and so that kind of brought us to the idea that we, and then like, for example, give me an idea. One of the things you'll see often on the forum, somebody's power adapter breaks. And they have to drive like five hours to San Jose to go get a power adapter for their computer or their phone. And I walked down the road. That kind of hassle was not something we were interested in. We, and as a result, we like the restaurants here. We like the museums. We like the transportation. We're next to the airport. And we like people. And so what happens is that I think a lot of people will retire. And they retire to the beach or they retire to a mountain or whatever because they always thought they wanted that. But it's kind of a little lonely. And, so, and for some people. I guess the thing is, is that, but for us, we, we like people. We like the city. We like them around us. We yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Jenny. I'm with you. But what, what I was going to say is, is the thing is that we saw on Craigslist a place. It's kind of like where all the embassies used to be. So it's a very old kind of place. There's maybe ooh, eight, eight apartments here uh, surrounded by a fence. Landlord lives on site. And then there's another gate. So it's super, super secure. And the thing was, is that we liked it. And so I just told the owner, I said, the moment one comes open, tell us. And we took our 10 suitcases, put it in a cab, and we drove over here the day it was open. Yes, we rent. Um, it's kind of nice. I mean, you know, it's it's a little, the place we have is a little old and kind of long in the tooth. But honestly, the layout, the size, are perfect for us. We're at the end of the street. We have our own little garden area with a both a patio and a balcony. Uh, at the end of the street, and Rob's put things, plants out there. The, the the owner has let us do whatever we want as far as plants, and it's just filled with green. Sometimes it's a little jungly. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> nice. on our That's property, great. on our property here, we have bananas, lemons, oranges. We have papayas. You know, so and people always said, "Well, what are you going to do during the pandemic?" And I said, "Well, I, we'll just reach out the you know and grab <laughs> food off the trees here." But um, what I'd say is, he said, so yeah, our rent here, and you know, you're probably going to die, is $600 a month. Wow. What? And how big is the place? Pay, and and then that includes water. Water. And then we pay $50 for electricity and 50 for internet. 50 for how long? For a month. month. And we have, it's a two bedroom apartment. On, About 1,600 square feet. Okay, oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's only one bath, which is typical. A lot of places here, two bedrooms with, with one bath. Um, but we have a huge laundry room and we have a storage room as well. Plus, like I said, that balcony and patio area, which are, are really nice. And um, and then there's a, a small courtyard here where we can we we can socialize with our neighbors and do. Mm -hmm. But it's secure. It's, one of the things, you know, when he's talking about the loneliness, it's all to each his own. Right. Some mm -hmm. people want to live up on the top of the mountain and have an incredible view. And I thought that's what we wanted. And we, we were working toward that in the beginning. But, you know, as he said, I mean, we really are, are city people. But also a lot of the people, you know, they're so far out, they really don't see people. 
Uh, but then they get together with folks, you know, I mean, they have opportunities, they make opportunities to get together. So, I mean, I think you can make the most of whatever it is you like. The beach, for instance, everybody thinks, just about everybody thinks they want to live at the beach. Mm-hmm. Yay for the people who do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it's too hot for us. And then, it, you know, we would put on the air conditioning and then we'd be paying, a, you know, what we consider a small fortune in air conditioning mm-hmm. costs. Yeah, give you an example is that the temperature Sorry. where we are right now is 72 degrees, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It's wow. it's 72 plus or minus wow. 95 degrees. It might get to 62. Yesterday it got up to 85 when we were outside, but it's never mm-hmm. off of that. And now when we go to the beach, it's more like 95. Mm. And the beach actually spend like $600 a month air conditioning. Wow. They have a big house too. So, yeah. and, you know, and they don't get the organic food we have, blah, blah, blah. We found out that most of the time we live here where we want to live, doing what we want to do. When every weekend we might just head on down to the beach and then, you know, get get all heated up and enjoy ourselves and then come right back. So mm-hmm. we, you know, after a week of beach time, we're ready to come back to the mountains and, and be cool. Yeah. And how far away is the beach? Maybe like three a- hours on a bus. Okay. And I remember three hours either way. See, we can either go to yeah, the Pacific the or thing. the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, wow. so. But but I think if you drive, you what in Hako only like an hour. Oh, hour yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there there are some that are you know closer. It just depends, you know, because people have their preferences, what kind of beach they like. Which there's so many to choose from. Three three hundred. I know there are people who have places at the beach where they get a good breeze and they're comfortable and they don't have AC. This is why we always say don't buy right away. I mean, some people, I mean, you're super rich, you got all kind of money, do whatever you want, you know. But <laughs> for most people, I'm. It's really better just just rent, try out an area, find out if you even like it, you know, because maybe it'll be too hot for you or too expensive or too dry or too wet. Most everybody we know have lived around a few different places. Some pick the right place right off right off at the start. But then it's just you just have to try it out and see. And it's interesting. One of the things that freaks Americans out is, you know, you're used to zoning. And you're used to all kinds of um, HOAs and all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. Well, in Latin America. It's quite common for the person next to you to have six dogs that bark all the time. It's quite common for them to blow off fireworks every day. Um, they might even decide to open up a motorcycle repair shop in their house. So, so as a result, you want to make sure you can move as soon as it doesn't meet your needs anymore. Yeah. And if you buy a place, it's easy to buy something here. It's a little harder to sell yeah, Very it. hard, yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Um, because it, there are issues like that. There's you know, chickens. Like who would ever thought that your neighbors has all chickens and they're they, they <laughs> all roosters crowing roosters all the time. at five o'clock in the morning. Or yeah, you just have to be careful of that. You have a washer, dryer, and air conditioning. Yes. No, we don't have air conditioning. No heat. No air conditioning. We don't need it. Yeah, okay. all the windows are open twenty four hours a day, every day. Every once in a while, we'll turn on the fan. And not, I listen to, I like the fan for white noise at night. And some nights it's a little hot and I turn on the fan for that. Mm-hmm. Is it so cool because San Jose is at a high elevation? Is yes. That okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're, nice. we, 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 it's funny is, is that we have this homing beacon for 3,500 <laughs> feet off the, the sea. Whenever we reach 3,500 feet, we're home. So we'll be at the beach at zero and we're, hot and everything and then we head up into the mountains and the moment we hit 3500 feet we can feel it we can feel it we're there and we're home free 
we'll, we'll be asleep on the bus and we'll feel the difference in the temperature. When we lived in San Ramon, we'd know, okay, we, we must be approaching San Ramon. And sure enough, we open our eyes, look around. And we know where we are. And see, that's the secret is, is that the temperature in Costa Rica is dependent on your elevation. So for us, 3,500 feet is 72 degrees. Mm -hmm. Now we can go up the volcano next to us to 5,000 feet <laughs> and it's like 60 degrees. It's just way too cold for us because they have to have um, wood burning stoves. And, you know, basically you're actually in a, in a cloud forest a lot of the times or you're on the beach at zero and it's 95 degrees like 27 microclimates in Costa Rica. And all you have to do is just move up and down the street and you can get a completely different climate temperature and everything As compared to like when we were on the East coast, you know, it's all the same, right? I mean, the thing is, is some uh, hurricane goes through Atlanta and you're sitting there watching on the news and you know, it's going to be in Raleigh in like mm. three hours <laughs> right. and so much different here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can. When we lived in San Ramon, we lived uh, a little high up on a mountain, and there's there. I, I guess there's a lot of moisture up on the mountains, and so in the late afternoon, it becomes very foggy. It all starts to condense, I guess, and it gets really foggy. You have to close your windows. You have to close the doors because all that moisture starts coming into the house, and everything starts to mold and mildew. Mm. People that live up there have to clean a lot of mold and mildew regularly. Yeah, I mean it's it's something to consider, and you you have to be careful, like with your clothes. If you have something you haven't worn in a while, it's going to be mildewing. You need mm -hmm. to pull uh -huh. everything out. You have to move mm -hmm. stuff around. And uh, where we are right now, we don't have quite that much humidity and moisture in the air. But you know, when we when we go on our morning walk, we look over in the map, we see the mountains beyond, and there there is always this cloud. <laughs> yeah, they're all living in a cloud. Yeah. So no yeah. photographs or any kind of media that could be destroyed. Well, you, well, oh, yeah, yeah, well, so, yeah. So, so tell, biggest set, those people who don't make that change and get rid of everything, they put it all into a giant trailer and they bring their piano, they bring their camera equipment, they bring all their books, their paintings, their leather couch. <laughs> it's all going to be gone in the year. Our doors, our windows, everything's open all the time. We don't think we could ever live in the United States ever again in air conditioning. The whole idea that, you know, your windows are closed. It almost feels like a prison, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and also just the air, you know, that recycling air all yeah. the time. What about bugs and flies and all that? You don't get they it? They come through the house all the time. Yeah. What happened is we'll be sitting there watching TV and a lizard will run through <laughs> or spiders, whatever. You have to accept that you're going to have critters in the house. Now we put we put some screens on the windows, but they're, the but they're yeah for the for the mosquitoes, but they they'll still get in, and uh, so we you know we'll put a little plug in things to kill them, and the lizards will come in and they'll eat stuff, and well, and you live with ants. Everybody lives with ants. Like give you an example. This <laughs> no no no. Gillen does not live with ants. Oh yes she does. Oh, honey, you will. <laughs> well, she does. <laughs> She's joking. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about like uh, I you know hate what, ants. Do you know what army ants are? I hate ants. Well, and with army ants, like for example, when we were in San Francisco, oh, it, it was quite common that we would be sitting there and you'd be watching TV, and then you'd see all the spiders and scorpions all running across the floor, and and you'd look out the window and you realize that there's like a million army ants headed toward your house. I think several. They coat the walls. They coat your house. They just basically take over your whole house looking for uh, bugs. But they clean it all out. Yeah, so a lot of people, instead of fumigating or using any kind of pesticide, 
people just basically open their doors and the ants come through, they clean out all the insects and then in an hour they're gone, you know, so. <laughs> and, and I've heard of people, you know, they see them coming and they'll just put a little ring of water around themselves. We just sit there and watch TV the while they just with, run past it. Yeah, yeah. And just wait till they're done. And it's maybe, I don't know, an hour yeah. or something. Now, now we've never had that happen here in San Jose. Cold, think, yeah. yeah. But, but it happens in places and, and yeah, in our first place in San Ramon, we had, They'd only send a few scouts actually into our house because I think they would go up through um, the attic. through the roof and clear out everything there, which is great, you know. But I've never heard of this. Yeah, and and the, and the leaf cutters, you know, we have leaf cutters that you know if you if you're gardening, you may curse the leaf cutters because sometimes they will attack one of your favorite plants, but it'll come back, you know, yeah. it'll be fine. But they and they're fascinating to watch. Everybody loves watching the ants. Do you spill some food? Don't worry about it. If you in in about an hour or so, it's going to all be gone because the ants oh will God. come in. They'll you know. This is kind of like people leave like <laughs> stuff on the floor for their dog, right? For yeah. us, like we we might kill a a, a a scorpion, and then we'll forget to clean it up, and then we'll see it marching across the floor as the ants <laughs> all take it back. You know. Oh my so, God! It's so funny. it's like a vacuum cleaner. So you, yeah, you were talking about how your apartment has a has a fence around, it. and I was reading that. San Jose seems to be very safe. Why is there a fence around? Well, I mean, the thing is, okay, here's the story. When we were in the United States, well, you know, I'm sure you pay a lot more property tax than we do, but we had a house and we spent $2,000 a month on property tax. And that included having a policeman basically come through our neighborhood two or three times. There are no police here, really. That $2,000 a month, a, a year, basically goes to home security. And so everybody here has a fence around their house. They have barbed wire or I guess it's razor wire or whatever. And so it freaks you out when you first see it because you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm in prison. That's how they handle. In the United States, we handle security with, by paying police. Here, they do it by securing your property. In our case, for example, we have a steel door in the front of our house. I mean, you know, you're not going to get through that. Then there's a fence around our eight units. And then there's a guard's gate at the very front. And I think they pay him like $100 a month or something. I have zero security costs. Property tax here might be like $200 a year. So they don't invest in all the things that the people in the States do. They do it differently. To the side of the razor wire. And the fences are beautiful. I mean, you know, they're, well, it's often either just a concrete wall or it's a combination of concrete wall and yeah. um, wrought iron gate um i like the gates better i think they're prettier um and i i actually the wall makes me feel like oh nobody can, if nobody can look in then nobody will know if i'm i'm i've fallen and i can't get out <laughs> yeah i like the gates i think but they're pretty. Let, me, let me just mention two things one is you might see stuff in costa rica where something bad happens inevitably it is a single old guy who basically od'd on viagra or they basically tried to buy or sell drugs, or they tried to cheat a prostitute. Now, Mender, prostitution is legal here. A lot of American guys come down here on fishing trips, mm -hmm. and they go downtown, and then they do something stupid, and they either get killed or they OD. For us, at least, it's just like every other place in the world. There are bad people, and you just don't do drugs in their property. You just don't try to sell drugs. You don't try to report them to the police. You just stay away from them. Well, and you don't flash money yeah. and gold jewelry and stuff, you know, when you're in, you know, 
places where, I mean, I'm sorry, cities anywhere and tourist areas, there's always people there looking to take advantage of tourists. Um, you know, like with our friend, he forgot he had on a gold chain with gold medallions all over it <laughs> in town. But he did that day and somebody tried to take it. But I'm going to tell you, people all around us immediately just came to help. I mean, it was oh. amazing. Oh, wow. Some took off chasing after the police. They called the police to go after him. Wow. Um, you know, it, so, I mean, people are wonderful, but, you know, it's in the city and, you know, there's poor people in the city. And I will mention one thing. It's interesting. Because we don't have a car, we walk and take the bus everywhere. The locals, the Ticos, freak out all the time. You know, I don't know the thing is, is that you probably have this in New York City and you think to yourself, somebody says from Iowa says, oh, my God, I can't believe you live there. You're going to die. You know? <laughs> true. Yes, true. Yes. And we got the same thing, too, is that we are all over this place all the time. Now, we're not going to be there at night. People freak out locals that we actually walk through Barrio, Mexico or whatever. They basically tell us every day that we're going to die. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> but, but we, I just took the bus over there, you know? But it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like anywhere else. If you know the neighborhood, if you mm-hmm. feel comfortable there and you're not doing anything that you shouldn't be doing or you don't appear to be so much wealthier than whoever is there, you just have to use your good yeah. sense. And, but and no, no, what I'd say is the secret here is that, and I think what most gringos enjoy is that there's pre- petty crime. You got that. Mm-hmm. Somebody robs your wallet or whatever like that. So be it. But the thing is, there's no violent crime. So it's not like somebody hijacked, you know, the thing is, yeah. that's the stuff like in New York City, right, is that once people go to violent crime where they kidnap you or they mm-hmm. carjackings or whatever, then all of a sudden it's a different ballgame, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that kind of thing is not is not common. No. You know? I, so, I mean, we've been here, you know, what, six years now? Yeah. And uh, I mean, the only thing that's ever happened, somebody tried to pickpocket him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got light. Took him down. Guy. It was downtown, you know, and there's <laughs> tourists in that area. And of course, you know, uh, I mean, that, that's the only thing that's ever happened to us. What? Oh, I left my purse on the bus one time and, you know, my, my iPhone was in it. And of course, I've got find your phone on there. And um, I, when I realized I didn't have my purse, uh, he does the find my phone and he realizes it's not on the bus. It's somewhere in the town. What happened was somebody saw that I had left my purse there, picked it up and was trying to figure out how to get it back to me. Nice. You know, they knew that somebody else would just steal it. Cause I'm, so, but he, he called the, the local police because he, we didn't want to go to this person's house and just say, give me my, my purse. Yeah. 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 We don't know who they are. Right. Uh, but he just said, he said, I think they, you're, they're just trying to help, but I don't want to take any chances. So they went with him. They found the neighborhood. The mother was at, the mother of the person said, "Oh yeah, yeah, my son or daughter, whatever, found your purse and uh, is trying to trying to get it back to you." They gave me everything. Everything was fine. It was great. It was perfect. Um, and I really do think that that person was trying to protect my property because if it had been left on the bus, I'm sure some poor mm-hmm. person taking mm-hmm. it. I mean, you can't blame. It, but and again, it's not a big deal. We've lived in Atlanta and other places, but everybody here has a guard. And, you know, so again, no police, no burglar alarms, none of that stuff. Basically, everybody hires for like $10 a day a dude to stand outside their business with a gun. I'm not even sure if they've ever fired it before or whatever. I don't even know if they even <laughs> had it built. But, you know, that's the way they handle security. So, yeah, it's interesting because I was actually born in Brazil and lived there until I was like five and a half. And everyone in Brazil had guns. 
it was yes. just a very natural thing. My father, I, I don't know, maybe he had one also, but so that's just a way of life. But when you think yeah. about it, I mean, here we are in Brooklyn. Um, uh-huh. I don't leave, I don't leave anything open actually, but you know, for good reason, sure. I don't think it's dangerous where we are, but I would never even think of buying a gun. That's just who we are. People do say, how could you live in New York? Um, aren't you afraid of the crime? Yeah, and it's so safe here, yeah. Yes, but it's it's really safe here. So, yeah. Can we talk about health care? Yeah, sure. take us through oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I told you it was 24000 which is unacceptable. In the U.S. Yeah, so the thing <laughs> is, is that in Costa Rica, like most, many, probably most every other country in the world has socialized medicine. Probably not the greatest thing in the world, but it does what it, it keeps most people healthy. And we thought we'd probably use it. It cost us $70 a month for both of us. If we get hurt, we go over to every um, neighborhood has a local health clinic. Yeah, that you can go to. And, you know, it's filled. And, you know, there's bad things. Like, for example, in our old place, you had to show up at five o'clock in the morning to get an appointment for 10 o'clock. (laughs) <laughs> and so for gringos, that's like, oh, I can't do it on the internet, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so for there's other situations like, well, I don't know, let's say you need a hernia operation. They might schedule you three months out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in America, I could pay for one tomorrow. Well, you're not you're paying, not paying for it. So the <laughs> thing is, they schedule that stuff out. Our neighbor, who is 80, prostate cancer. First, they told him, they said, well, you know, it takes about 10 years to die of prostate cancer. And you're going to be dead in 10 years. So we're not going to, we're not going to invest in you. We're going to take that money that we would have invested in you. And we're going to put it into children who have a long life in front of them. And that's the kind of thing you have to kind of understand now. But now, but private options are available. So it's not right. like you just have to accept that. So right. we do that. We understand that. We've been over there. It's much better if you speak Spanish, of course. But the thing is that yeah. it's there. So, but we have a private one, which is, I think it's 3,000. So we went from 24,000 to 3,000, excuse me, a year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what was interesting oh. is the yeah. first time I got a quote and they told me it was $3,000, I had to ask them if that was per month or per year. Sure, sure. That's an expat one. It covers us here in Costa Rica and anywhere else we go in the world except the United States. The United States basically is excluded from most every healthcare because it's way too expensive. Ah. So that's 3,000 a year for the both of you. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. amazing. We live four miles on either side from the two best hospitals in Costa Rica. And so any American who doesn't have health care will fly here and go to one of those two hospitals. So, you know, we feel pretty comfortable wow. that we can everything here take get and take care of that we need to. Mm-hmm. And what about drugs and pharmacies and things like that? In Costa Rica, as in I think a lot of Latin countries, you don't need a prescription. Right. Oh, we just okay. heard about this. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, the thing is, if you want a drug, you just walk over there and get it. And another thing that's kind of interesting. If they, if they have it. Yeah, they except for narcotics. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. And so the thing is, is that what's interesting is the person at the, the pharmacy is a doctor. So it's oh. quite common. Uh, I don't know. Let's say you have a rash. You would go to the pharmacist and they would treat the rash. I, I bet you that if you cut your hand, they'd probably sew you up. So the there's a kind of emerging of a primary care and a pharmacist at every pharmacy. Mm-hmm. That and makes like so much state, sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, we might have to go to a primary doctor in the States, pay them $150 for them to write a prescription for, I don't know, Adderall. But here you just walk over there and they, you tell them and they give it to you. Cost savings. You don't need a prescription, but are they expensive or inexpensive? People say they're about a third of what the United States pays. Wow. 
So what happens, a lot of people will come here on tours with their little list of, we, we've never taken a drug in our life, but they, they hand them over to a pharmacy and then they add them up. And they say, usually when it's all done, it's about a third of what they would have spent back in the States. Yeah, because usually all we need is like a, maybe an antibiotic or a you know a skin cream or something. So um, you know, my doctor may write out a prescription. You know, I'll take it in and and they'll give it back to me after they finish filling it. So I've got my little thing and I know next time, you know, when I run out, what to go ask for. And I just yeah. go in and ask for it and I get it. Now, so. I will tell you that for some gringos, it freaks them out because they have some special drug that blah, blah, blah. And all they're going to have here is the generics. Mm-hmm. And so that freaks uh-huh. them out a little. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they don't carry some, yeah, some medications that some people want. So some people actually go back to the States to to get them. Like a 90 day supply or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The insulin, like, was like a thousand dollars a month. Oh, here. yeah. And here, here it's free. Wow. Yeah. If you're, if you're oh, wow. well, if you're, you know, if you are a, a, resident. a resident, legal resident, and you, so you have to join the CA, the mm-hmm. socialized medicine program. And so you buy it through that or you get it you're free, you're free from them or yeah. you can even buy it for like ten dollars or something like yeah okay cheaper. what about for for entertainment are the the movies are they in spanish or english both, both. so you know that's the thing is, is you can have a spanish movie in spanish with spanish subtitles you can have an english movie with spanish subtitles mm-hmm. you know whatever you want to get you know, thing yeah, is, is when you, if you go to the movie theater, they they will have a schedule. You know, when they have the schedule, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you whether or not it's dubbed into English or if it only has English subtitles. If you're, you know, if you're wanting to go to see like a, a U.S. movie, for instance, yeah, you can you can either see it in Spanish if you like, or you can see it dubbed or with just Spanish with English subtitles. Um, it, but it'll show you on the schedule. We just don't go to the movies. Um, yeah, we do our Netflix and we don't worry about it. But I mean, we've gone to the movies I mean, a couple of times when we were at the beach. What other popular forms of entertainment are there? Well, there's museums here. Okay. And then they have um, semi-cultural. Things. They might have a dance group or a, 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 we went to a couple of, uh, was the voice, you know, singing groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's those. And, and what's interesting about them is they have, since we're seniors, I think it might be a dollar. So basically, we'll wow. go to a this. It's a, like if you can imagine a beautiful old uh, opera house, mm. and but you have it's to go National th- Theater. You go at three o'clock in the afternoon, and it's a dollar. You know, of course, we love to come to New York City, and we love to go to Broadway plays. You're never going to get any of that stuff here. It's never going to make a stopover in San Jose mm. compared to like we look. We looked at maybe living in Mexico City. And it's quite common for maybe the Lion King to come there, and the ticket is like fifty dollars, not two hundred dollars. For Hamilton, for Hamilton, for fifty dollars, yeah, two hundred dollars. We can't get that here, but you know, like we can just we could get on a plane to Mexico City for fifty bucks, go watch Hamilton wow. for 50 bucks, and come home. You know, wow. so the thing is, is that those are some options. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but there are some lovely performances at the National Theater. Yeah. It's quite a variety. Well, we don't probably take as many as much advantage of it as we should but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, some people do it regularly they make a whole day of it they drive into san or even a weekend of it they drive into san jose get a hotel do see a show at the national theater and i think tico's they're really into parades so we know we have all kinds of parades going on all the time for everything so yeah 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 how often do you come home or to see your kids do you fly often used to be about once a year well we we go to la for like a month or we would go to Atlanta for a month. We go to whatever for a month. That's usually what we do is just kind of park ourselves for a month n- near one of our kids. 
and see them. Yeah, one of them would come down here more often. And then another one met us in Mexico. Uh, as a matter of fact, right before the pandemic, we met in Mexico. Cancun, and, yeah, for, uh, for a month. Again, one of the things that's different when you retire is we don't have those little two-week vacation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do everything in a month. And we were actually exploring the whole idea of living someplace for three months now. Mm-hmm. So next we go to Europe, just basically spend three months traveling around versus the whole buzz into uh, Paris for a weekend and come home, you know? Right, right, right. That's what we want to do. Yeah, yeah that's what we want to do. Time, we have yeah. like the annually 90 days here, 90 days uh, there, and yeah. really looking forward to that. Yeah. Good, good. Okay. It's quite common for people to come to Costa Rica, lose all their medications. Mm. So I would say is that in my case, remember I lost 60 pounds. Wow. You're outside in the sunshine. You're walking all the time. There's not, you know, unless you work at it, you're not going to find much processed food. There's no, there's a McDonald's every once in a while. But the thing is, you're eating mostly fruit and vegetables. You're walking all the time. People Less lose stress because you're retired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I'd say is, is that a lot of people here don't, you know, they get rid of their insulin. They get rid of their, wow. their cholesterol medicine. Everything that's wrong with American diet is basically fixed here. Or can oh, be. Yeah. I mean, point. You, you, you can re- you can recreate that U.S. lifestyle here if you really want to, mm-hmm. and you can spend the money to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you if you adapt, you know you'll you'll be surprised. I mean, if nothing else, you know you take less medicine. A lot of our some of our friends don't have to take insulin anymore. Some have to take seriously less insulin wow. than they did. Um, and it's all because they just made the effort to to mm-hmm. just live differently. It's it's a lot easier when you know when you move to a whole different country. It's so easy to change everything because if you stay where you were, you know the old habits are just too hard to to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We rarely ever Point. have sugar now at all. I mean, it's just, and we maybe have eaten at McDonald's like twice a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not something we do anymore. Mm-hmm. So, do you cook mostly, or what? What do you well, that's the difference. And I, I had a little list of how my life has changed. It was pretty common for us probably to prepare food for 15 minutes and probably eat for 15 minutes. So it gets all within 30 minutes. And now I probably spend an hour or two preparing meals. And then we spend about an hour eating. Them. A lot of our life now is just eating. And the thing is, is it's so weird. <laughs> I love it. So you have, if you have to start with all your vegetables and fruits from scratch, it just makes it a lot longer. But, you know, we enjoy it and have fun yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'll say something else about that. OK, you know, you can go to a grocery store, They, you know, some of the local stores um, or in our neighborhood. There's a guy who drives a truck in here on on Wednesday mornings and you go and you pick out your vegetables or. You know, you can go to the farmer's market. They're very common here, you know, much more common than in the States. And uh, you go to the, the farmer's market and you just buy from all these different vendors, all sorts of things. And and there's even a daily one downtown here in San Jose because the restaurants buy from them. Oh, wow. And it, they have everything. And, and they're, they're, they're picked like yesterday, right? Three o'clock in the morning, they were picked and they're brought in. Yeah, it's all good, wow. fresh stuff. And, some, and then some of the markets are organic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some at the beaches too, you know, that are organic. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I, I like what's available here in San Jose for us, but I'm sure other people have their favorite places. But, you know, you and you just make all this wonderful fresh food all the time. And there's so much fruit available that, you know, for decent prices that why why make something sweet? Also, the cakes and 
and pastries here are not normally not all that good anyway. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <And> the fruits, <laughs> so amazing, yeah. That should be um, my goal. Look for a place with yeah, bad dessert. Bread, bread products here are kind of, eh, you know, I mean, a lot of people wind up uh, making their own sourdough bread just to avoid having to buy what's in the stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I, I did that for a while, but now I really don't make bread that often. Uh, so you wind up eating the food that's really the best for you. And it's so, so easily available. You can get people to deliver fresh milk. You know, we've got one that comes by here. We don't usually yeah, buy does? They come by with a little thing and they, and they put it in a plastic bag and give it to you, you know? Yeah. Unbelievable. Let me tell you about that. Two things again, different in the United States. One is they don't refrigerate eggs. So you'll walk and the eggs will be outside all there. And it has something to do with the United States cleans off the protective coating on the outside. Mm-hmm. So you have to refrigerate them. But eggs are not refrigerated here. And the other thing, milk is not pasteurized. So the thing is, is unless you buy gringo milk or whatever, but the thing is, is there's a few things like that that we're kind of used to in the U.S. that are different. Yeah, okay. the, the milk okay. you buy in the stores is pasteurized, but yeah, the stuff you buy, like at markets and stuff, it's not necessarily yeah. pasteurized. Okay. It's raw milk. Sure. They, sure. They, a lot of times they've skimmed it, you know. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. So um, I think we've covered a lot. What advice do you guys have for future retirees who wish to move abroad or to Costa Rica? Well, first of all, start doing your planning and your research early and start divesting yourself. I mean, if for no other reason, even if you stay, end up staying where you are, which some people will, get rid of all that crap. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have to dust for the rest of your life, you yep. know, or yep. don't spend a lot of time dusting. You just just start divesting yourself of all the extras that you really don't need. Start mm-hmm. simplifying your life. But I think before doing what Jenny said, you have to decide where you want to live. And for us, you know, like I said, we walked down the list and said we wanted to be, let's say, close to our kids. When I say close, we get there in a day. We have to a certain budget we have to live within. And one of the things that we struggle with a little bit is, you know, there's a concept when you retire as a a retiree to basically move in next to a hospital, getting ready to die. Mm. So every day you're ready to be going to the hospital. And we have to kind of struggle with that whole idea is that, you know, we could live in a different place, but guess what? We could also die of a heart attack on the way to the hospital. So what, how are you going to live your life? And so, you know, once you have all those things all lined up, it will kind of point you to some place. And for us, like I said, financially, the only place that we could start life at 57 and live the rest of our life was not in the United States. It could have been anywhere. And then the second after that was we wanted to be sort of close to the, to our kids. Okay. And the thing is that we really love Mexico. We want Mexico, but we just haven't found it just what didn't work for us. Mm-hmm. So the next country down, you know, go through Venezuela and then through uh Guatemala and um you know Asada, yeah. you know then you for, then we get here and it's this place is Disneyland you know it's set up for tourists mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so it's it's easy it's it's just it's it's it, it just makes it it makes it easy for us so basically this is where we landed and, and we every month we probably go through a list of where else we might want to live do we want to go to move to France do we mm-hmm. want to move to Mexico we like having options available yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> haven't been able to find any reason to do anything. Yeah, we love exactly where we are yeah. right now. It's just we're wow. and, satisfied. Yeah. And you get your social security um 
deposited well, right into your accounts, right? So well, we don't we don't have that yet. It's best to probably keep all of your money in the United States. Mm-hmm. And if I want any money, I just walk over to an ATM and get it. I and then that. most of our stuff is like Roth IRAs, so we don't have any federal tax. One other thing, and it's not so much about Costa Rica, it's just retirement in general. Some of the best advice I got was from some people who had retired here. They said, once you come here, don't immediately start signing up for things mm-hmm. because you'll get yourself kind of busy. Uh, you'll start recreating your lifestyle from the U.S. Give yourself about six months to figure out where you, what you gravitate toward, what you really want to do with your time. And we saw that, you know, we saw some people who were so involved in some community activities, which are great. And, you know, we admire them, and everything, but they were so busy, busy, busy. You know, they had calendars. And so we don't, the only thing we keep a calendar for is when we have an appointment, you know, the dentist or the doctor or whatever, you know, and occasionally, you know, a get together with friends. But that helped me to kind of think, what do I really want to do? And I've seen that with the one other people who take their time. They do kind of gravitate toward what they really want to spend time with that they never really had time for in the States. Yeah, let me yeah. explain that a little bit. So again, I told you, from we went from high school to college, college to marriage, and whatever. And I think a lot of other people did the same thing too. And so the idea of me ever being an artist, well, there was no money in that, no profit. I didn't have time for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Learning another language. There's a lot of things in your life that you set aside when you were young mm-hmm. because they weren't profitable. You didn't have time, whatever it is. That once you retire, it's hard because they're in there, but you really have to work hard to bring them out again because yeah. you spent your whole life denying yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that you have to rediscover what your real passions are. That's really you struggle about flying to the States every once in a while. Is it expensive to fly to Costa Rica? 500 bucks. One way or round trip? We're a round trip. Round trip. Oh, that's not bad. With Costa Rica being a tourist destination, there's always a plane landing here from somewhere in the world. And they always need to put us on it to go back. For a while there, we were really working hard on Mexico City and Guadalajara. Because both of them, you can, you know, we could get to Los Angeles in two hours or whatever. And so we probably would have loved to have been closer to a super duper international airport, Mm -hmm. but it's not bad. You know, and again, our kids aren't that far away. But like, for example, we thought, well, what if we live in Portugal? What if we lived in Vietnam or, or Spain? Well, that could easily be a two day trip there, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And, yeah. and you said you could fly to Mexico City for fifty dollars. Yeah, it's special. You know, I mean, I think it might be eighty, but we go to Guatemala for fifty. Cancun was eighty bucks. I assume you have a pension, or both of you have yeah. pensions. Yes. So that's very helpful. But we have a, a three-legged stool that we live on our pen, on my IBM pension. Then I have investments that would probably give me as much as my pension, and then we're going to probably wait till we're seventy to get our mm-hmm. Social Security. I had always, you know, again, being an engineer, I wanted a fail-safe system. And that basically means that I can lose two of my legs. Social Security can go away or my pension can go away and I still have investments or vice versa. Whatever it is, I have the capability of losing two of my legs Mm -hmm. and still being able to live on my retirement. Right. We're thinking along. I have the spreadsheets and, you know, (laughs) I'm looking into all that stuff as well. So good, good, good. Okay. Uh, any any last uh, words or thoughts? This has been unbelievable. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad it was helpful. Um, I, you guys are great. Yeah. Main, main thing is, you know, if you're going to go live in another country, and again, it doesn't matter where, 
you just have to be prepared to look at look at everything with a whole new perspective. Don't be so quick to don't compare it to the way you used to live because you know you're always going to find fault with things. And actually, you know, you, you may discover that you find something is better in the other country than it was back in the States. So you're, you're just going to have to adapt and change and, and just I, enjoy it and look at it as, as an adventure. And I think I would tell those that I didn't realize before, there's always somebody will help you. Like, for example, if some, you know, if occasionally somebody will call me on the phone and we'll do exactly what you and I just did. We'll go through it. And, you know, it might be me taking a gringo over to the bus. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of Americans have never taken mass transit before. They, they think they're going to die if they get on a bus. Or <laughs> and so what happens, yeah, yeah. And quite common for me to take 50 cents, put it in their hand, tell them to stand here, and then I have them walk onto the bus, mm-hmm. and I tell them where to sit. And the thing is, then they go to place, and then I get them back. Next thing I know, they're all over the place. But what happened is that, that first time they're very freaked out yes. that they're that, that that they you know all kinds of stuff. And the, but there's always somebody who will help you. You just have to ask. Okay. Oh, I have a very important question. Well, at least to me, if you, <laughs> if you move abroad and as you age, what is the thought process of the later stages? Do you? I know yeah. it's a morbid. Question. Okay. Yeah. There's there's three stages of retirement, which is the sixties which is go-go, 70s, which is slow-go, above 80, which is like no-go. Oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. wait till 90 or 100 for right. it. <laughs> it's funny you should just ask that because that is exactly the planning we've been doing this week. Yeah. Is that our, my parents had Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and, and I was in Virginia and they were in Georgia and it was very disconcerting to basically have my neighbors call and said my parents basically were wandering around somewhere mm-hmm. and they had to go collect them and bring them home. Yeah. And the thing was, is that they were getting taken advantage uh, financially and everything like that. So we do not want to be down here and have neighbors calling our kids, telling mm-hmm. them that basically something's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just heart wrenching. Yes. And yeah. the thing is we were, have been exploring that this week is when we get to 80 or whatever that number is, what are we going to do and where are we going to be? Yeah, a couple of things I'll, I'll say about that, too, is, you know, of course, there's the end, the, the end of life thing. What happens to your body? You know, well, we're not going to have our bodies flown off to the States and buried and all. It just that's crazy to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have any kind of, you know, religious concerns about, you know, it has to be done a certain way. Right, right. There's a medical school up the street from us. We have donated our bodies. And we've made sure everybody knows. And we've gotten a lot of people, a lot of other expats around the country have done the same thing. They've all signed up to donate their bodies. So that's That's one thing. The the big thing is, is that, you know, okay, right now we're in a two-story apartment. Um, We may have to, at some point, let our landlord know, maybe when there's a one-story available, maybe we'll need to take it then. And we'll, instead of here, there's, there's a lot more respect for the elderly here oh, than I think you find in the United States. And so we talked about if we had to go into some sort of senior living, this might be one of the better options or having someone come live with us that would take care of us. We pay them. Our main concern is if we both started suffering from some, some form of dementia, that's the thing. Cause you, you never know for sure that right. people will take, mm-hmm. take advantage of you. So we've, We've been talking about our options as far as going back to the States, using Medicare and 
being close to at least one of our kids Mm -hmm. so that they can feel comfortable that one of them can come and visit and look in on us and make sure we're okay. We could live like in Tijuana and go to San Diego and be near our daughter in LA Mm -hmm. for Medicare. Or we can be in Montreal and go across the border to Burlington and again use Medicare. So again, we're approaching of how close can we get to the border, still live an affordable lifestyle, and but not basically freak our kids out that you know that we've yeah. where we're rotting away in some right, you know, right. apartment or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is constantly evaluating and reevaluating because things change and you don't always know how they'll change, right? I mean, you don't know what's gonna happen. So and one last thing is that. My parents, my dad died at 70. He retired at 65 and died at 70. Wow. So I thought retirement was the five years between 65 and 70. Oh. You know, they were near where they smoked, they drank and everything mm. like that. They were in terrible health. It's likely we could, you know, the, the we're, we're planning to 82. That's what this, the is the, this is the engineer speaking. Oh, <laughs> I, I can, I can relate, Rob. I'm the same way. We're sick. So we got, uh, I got 20 years left. I'm thinking to myself, it's easy. We could live to 90. and I could actually be retired longer than I worked. You know, that's something that we kind of, kind of figure out and think is that, you know, I thought we'd just be here. We retire, we die. That's the end of the story. But now I'm realizing, damn, we could actually live a long time. And mm-hmm. what are we going to do awesome. about that? You know, go to Okinawa, and, Where's that? Uh, Okinawa, Japan the longest living um, people and and their lifestyle is it's actually similar to yours in that they walk everywhere and they eat um, natural or as organic as possible. And it's not that they even try, it's just what's growing and it's just what it's part of their lifestyle. Is your heritage Japanese? No, I'm Chinese. Okay. All right. Because you said you're from Brazil and I always thought that was kind of, (laughs) is that, you know, the whole idea of the merging of the Asian and the Brazilian cultures is always Mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. A lot of Asians wound up in Brazil because of the, uh, the whole immigration bans. Your father would have stayed there from something. Yeah. My, my, (laughs) my father actually wanted to stay there because the cost of living was, was wonderful, but his father was in the United States and this was the land of the opportunity, but yes, yes, yes. It's a long story short. It didn't turn out that that great when they came to the U.S. So um, immigrants. Yeah. 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 So there you have it. Well, I have to say this was wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know what? This is the longest podcast we've recorded. Yeah, yeah. But it flew by. No, it flew by because I think we were so engrossed and and we wouldn't. Gene and I had not thought about Latin America personally. We just mm-hmm. thought, hey, this is a great area. Um, we see all these postings on Facebook, and we know a lot of people, you know, a lot of expats all over Latin America. Okay, so please stay in touch, and if you guys yeah. head, our, head our way, by all means, we're here. Oh and, yeah, well yeah, yeah, we definitely want to come up there for those Broadway plays. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of um, books or authors I'd like to recommend for y'all as well. Okay. okay. And yeah. you may and you may be familiar with them. I don't know how much you've paid attention to the books that are out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. but you've probably heard of uh, Happier Than a Billionaire. Okay. No, I haven't. No. Um, okay. That, okay. There's a series of books, and uh, there's a woman who wrote about their their adventures in, in coming to Costa Rica. And she's from New Jersey. Yeah, and she's funny as all get out, and she talks mm-hmm. about the whole thing about you know all the things that went into their choosing to come down here, but also the adventures that they had here. And then there's uh, a couple of others that are more, a little more on the practical side, although I think she has some, a practical book as well. It's actually Jen Beck Seymour and Greg okay. Seymour. 
they actually don't live here anymore. <laughs> they moved back to the States. They're, they're kind of a young couple that, you know, retired early, really early. Mm. And they lived here for about three years, but they wrote several different books. They're all available on Amazon. Okay. They're very helpful about the whole process of coming down here. So, And that's one thing we did is when, when I was just going to mention is that when, when we were thinking about this, I bought every book that was on Amazon back in 2014. That was 10 books. Mm-hmm. It's probably a hundred now. Oh, but at least. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, I just bought all of them. We read all of them, you know, whatever we get our hands on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gene's a, Gene's a law librarian, but we have plenty of books on every subject. <laughs> like our son is interested in maybe getting a master's in business. So guess how many books we have? I'm not going to, <laughs> I am not going to tell you. They're not even for our son. It's for him. Uh, uh, okay. And so we're going to list these uh, resources in the show notes that that'll appear at the bottom of the podcast. Sure. Yeah. And then we'll list your um, the blogs uh, that you appeared in and as well as uh, your Facebook group. I think all this is such rich information and um, so good. So good. Thank you, guys. Well, I, one of the things I mentioned, I hope when you're all done that you guys would do a podcast with yourself. That I'm thinking, you know, when I was a consultant, you would talk to company A and they would tell you how you fixed it. And you go to company B and company B thought you were brilliant because you told them what company A did. That I'm thinking with you seeing so many different people and so many different ways approach this, I'm thinking that you're going to have a light bulb moment sometime here and say, man, we know how this all works, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. We're, we're the pro- hoping. The problem is we like a lot of these places. <laughs> Every time, yeah, after each recording, for the most part, well, I would say... One, but- uh, well, about 90%. No, I'd say more. Uh, well, I, I've become enamored. The initial idea is to live abroad for 90 days per year. Uh, I have not yet been to London, believe it or not. We've been to a lot of places. We got married in Italy. And so we, we've we've done some interesting things. But, you know, growing up, like you said, we just didn't have, we both came from poor families. We mm-hmm. didn't didn't travel at all when we were kids, really. And then when we started making money, we were so into, well, we had a lot of student loan debt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we both we we both went to law school and we just stopped mm-hmm. paying our last student loan debt on Gene's law school. Wow. Uh, when, when, when he turned 50. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I finished my law school loan debt at 45. And, it, you know, when you think about that and we're kind of cheap, so it's like, I don't want to spend that much money or the money that we don't have for travel. And that's one of the reasons why we we eloped to Florence. We didn't want yeah. to pay. Well, first of all, I'm from an Asian family. My mother wanted a traditional Chinese wedding. Yeah. And his mom, he's half Italian, and they would have wanted a traditional American wedding. So we're like, oh, screw all that. We can, First of all, <laughs> no one's helping us pay any of our education, and it's not anyone's fault. Um, yeah. You know, it's no. just who we are and we're the, the station in our lives. And we're actually better for it. Yeah, we're better for it. And, you know, I come from a large family. I'm the oldest of seven. So we really didn't have a penny. And and so when we were working, we didn't have time to travel. Exactly. And so, so here we are. That's our grand plan. <laughs> But what I would tell you, we're kind of along the same ways. And what we decided was move to Costa Rica and it's our home base. Mm-hmm. It's very inexpensive. We got a place mm-hmm. and we got a place to come back to. And then we will travel out from here. So we might go to Europe for three months. Mm-hmm. We might go to the United States for a month. But basically the whole idea, I don't, we, we're kind of the idea that we don't need to live in Paris. We don't mm-hmm. live, need to live in Italy. We can spend three months there. 
and get all of it we really want, and then come back to Costa Rica. Yeah. So the thing yeah. is, is that I would tell you is that, you know, that's one way I think that you can get, it's a whole idea of what's called slow travel, where basically, you know, you spend a lot of money to get a first class flight to Rome and then be in a expensive hotel. But if you stay uh, in a hostel or or like we do, we, we have people couch surf and they come and stay for free. So there's so many options basically where you can do things very inexpensively because what happens is you have a lot of time, but you don't have as much money. Right. That's a good point. I, I just have a question I'm curious about. Do you, are you allowed to work in, in Costa Rica? Not, not unless you're what, a permanent yeah, resident, so what, which what, we are. Well, yeah. What's, what happens? We were temporary for two years. And after three years, you can apply for being permanent. And so I could work here if I wanted to. I mean, I actually get sick when I think, think about, about think about the word. <laughs> People talk about uh, trying to monetize his his Costa Rica by bus page. He's thinking, why would I want to do that? Yeah, then it's a, a real job. <laughs> yeah, the people people want to hire me or do something. And yeah. the thing is, is that I just I actually can't do anything. I'm just a terrible employee. I just don't want to do anything. Well, and you know, for okay, I offered to uh, edit a friend's book for free, mm. just just as a favor. So I didn't push her hard on certain things. I said, well, you know, you probably should do this, probably should do that. Well, then she started paying me. Mm. And now it's like, oh, God, now I have to re- do a really good job. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, that that's, that's the so integ- that's the integrity. You know, if, yeah. if you're, uh, I feel the same way. If you're working, you have to give it 100%. And that's stressful and it's, it's exhausting. So, you know, don't, don't pay us for anything. And we'll just give you some advice and, and you take it, you want, you know, if you want it. And- <laughs> Been nice because I got a little money though to buy a new sewing machine, so whatever. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Did you get a Janome? <laughs> no, I should have. Oh. <laughs> I just got one of those a few years ago because oh, I thought I was gonna do some heavy, heavy denim like uh, quilt or or oh, something, okay. but we'll see. We'll see. It's it's cal- it's it's uh, collecting dust at the moment, but <laughs> okay, well, okay. Just I, I kind of want to get rid of the ones I have and get a Janome, but <laughs> oh, so that's a good one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's like one of the best. Well, and again, it's interesting. You know, when we're overseas, you can't get what you want. You know, Amazon will sort of deliver, but it's very expensive. Costa Ricans are not big sewers, mm. so for example, oh. we like to go to Mexico where everybody sews and, and there's like a fabric store like every foot and they have like a sewing machine place so it's just a different culture so it's interesting for jenny is she doesn't you know there's no joanne's there's nothing like that not a lot of places to get some of the stuff you want there, there's fabric but it's not good quality and they don't or and if there are collections they won't have the whole collection they'll have part of it and months later when that's gone they might have more of that <laughs> right 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 yeah you know, but it's so it's inconsistent. I actually like shopping for fabric better in Mexico and of course oh. the US here. Oh, okay. so I find stuff. I, I find stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's close enough, you know. We- Anyway, all right. Well, guys, thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. This has been wonderful. And we'll, we'll stay in touch. All right. Take okay, care. Great. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you know of someone who relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Don't leave out that underscore. 
And if you liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. In the meantime, be well.